0: Revolutionary.org hardcore 2.0 episode 32. Today is going to be a fun one. We're going to do HGH cycle with Europharmacies. We've got a lot of comments, Mobster, out there. And guys saying, do growth hormone, do growth hormone. I feel like lately growth hormone is making a big push. And a lot of people want to start using growth hormone. A lot of people like the anti-aging properties. A lot of people like what it's capable of. It's definitely something that pro bodybuilders must use if they're going to compete against their peers. And it's something, well, as you get older, our growth hormone, of course, drops quite rapidly, quicker than testosterone drops. And growth hormone, you know, we need it um, to help with recovery, help with sleep, help with, with losing fat, and a lot of other good stuff out there. So human growth hormone HCH. It's a peptide it's a peptide hormone and it stimulates growth on the cellular level it's a protein which has endocrine functions in living animals and is synthesized in cells from amino acids bodies produce it and as we get older our bodies produce much less growth hormone stimulates cell reproduction and cell regeneration in humans and animals fitness world use all over the place PED, non-fitness world, anti-aging. You go to an anti-aging clinic. They're gonna want to put you on HGH. It's expensive. They make good money on it. There's, you know, and it's it's one of those things where they want to put you on it for sure. So it is growing in popularity. I feel like more than really anything out there right now. Um, so one of the differences that support that separates anabolic steroid use from growth hormone is that it is capable of using mitogen to help you grow. And what mitogen is, it's a chemical substance, encourage cells to grow and divide. So one cell monster can turn into two cells and so on. Anabolic steroids, that doesn't happen. Anabolic steroids, you grow the cell, but you don't split it and grow it. This is why professional bodybuilders are now 300 pounds. And back in the seventies, they were 195, 200 pounds. That was, that's one of the big factors in that. Anabolic steroids, they specifically work on a principle that increase testosterone and decrease cortisol levels, binding the SHBG, stuff like that to allow muscle growth. But human growth hormone actually splits the cell. So completely different. If you compare, for example, Frank Zane of the 70s to Marcus Rule, your boy of the 2000s, and you look at them, Marcus, he's on HGH. Frank Zane, not on HGH. You see the physique difference. It's like basically a man versus boy, if you look at a side-by-side comparison, Mobster. Why don't you touch on that a bit?
1: Right, so cell splitting is so-called hyperplasia, Steve, and there's actually an argument that goes against what you just said, but I will say that what Steve said is mostly true. And and here's why it's a little bit wrong, but it's also why it's also true, and I'll, I'll explain, okay? So as Steve's explained, it's more likely to happen with uh, growth hormone that you get what we call cell splitting, division of cells, and that includes muscle cells, versus the enlargement, thickening, and strengthening of a cell vis-a-vis the normal thing that you would do in a gym when you lift weights and so on and so forth. Hyperplasia, which is the multiplication of cells via cell splitting, into the same space. So, for example, Steve, a thousand muscle fibers becomes one thousand one hundred because of what we did. The the issue, Steve, is that the kind of training that produces hyperplasia is unfucking believably difficult to reproduce in human beings. And off the top of my head, and this is completely a memory thing, guys. So, if I'm wrong, feel free to look up the science and tell me why. I believe they've done something really fucked up, Steve, like they they tied weights to the cat's towels and they stimmed them with electric shocks, and the cat would rush off a 100 miles an hour dragging his weight behind, and then they would biopsy the thigh muscle of the cat, and because of the weight and the in- inducement, so to speak, of the electricity, It would be a situation that would never occur in nature unless the cat was trying to get away from something or whatever else. they have done the same thing with my Steve and it induced hyperplasia. So the, the, the way that that would happen in the gym would be practically non-existent, Steve. You'd have to be doing absolutely crazy amount of reps with a weight that would kill most people for one or two reps. And you would literally be looking to get the muscle to come off the bone. Maybe Tom Platt's back in the day, but otherwise it doesn't happen. There is an issue and we will talk about side effects of growth hormone with other effects of growth hormone on, on, on cells, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of stuff out there. As to why it's becoming more popular, Steve, we're all we're all looking for an edge. And as you know, and because both of us have been around the game a long time, and I certainly have, it's one of those things that we say, okay, it falls out of popularity because of misuse and because people overdose, because their diets are shit and so on and so forth. And then they'll see someone that runs it properly, effectively, with the diet, with the cardio, with everything on point, and I go, ha-ha, I noticed that he said he's using growth hormone, and then it becomes a popularity thing again. So, of course, in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about proper dosing, effective dosing, how to train, how to eat, et cetera, et cetera. We'll touch on those briefly, of course. Uh, and and obviously, hopefully, it remains popular as a result of this podcast. Here.
0: Back to you. Yeah, and just as I know, note- if anyone ever did that to a cat and I found out about it and I found out where they were, I cracked their fucking head open in the middle Oh of man, the, street. the stuff
1: they've done with animals and stuff yeah. that we
0: don't do These anymore. Feet, yeah. In. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm the bringing you along with me, Mobster. We're gonna be a, ah. team, a team yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're gonna be a tag team on that one. All on, right, on so that,
1: other stuff that's happened out there, including the monkey brain hormone thing, which we might touch on as a connection. The stuff that used to happen in the 50s and 60s versus now thank fuck and because thank fuck we also remember to learn from the science means that we don't have to do those crazy tough guy
0: anymore. you're a tough guy monster no taking of monkey <laughs> brain it'd be it'd be human brains We'd be investigating <laughs> their human brains for, for these that's guys, it man. That you anyway that. so listen at the end of the day you know growth hormone it's naturally produced in the body that's that's wonderful right but we do so much things in modern history to suppress growth hormone one of the things that we do in modern history is that we eat Soon as we get up, we eat every two hours. We eat, we snack, we do this. So when you do that, you suppress growth hormone in the body. So we know with fasting, when you fast long periods of time, your growth hormone increases for five straight days. So if you fast for five days, your growth hormone will skyrocket to the highest level it's ever been. And one of the beauty parts of that is we know that the natural growth hormone that our body produces is going to be more effective than injecting growth hormone exogenously so at the end of the day if you can combine fasting with injecting exogenous growth hormone that's going to be one of the best things and we'll get into that later when it comes to dosing because there is a some strategies to dose uh, hgh to get the most out of it but we'll get that in a second so as i said earlier look growth hormone drops as we age so similar to testosterone but it drops much quicker so by the time you're in your 30s, okay, even if you're healthy, your growth hormone is going to start dropping pretty quickly. Testosterone, not as much. You can have good testosterone. Lobster and I both, we, we, you know we've cycled steroids for years. We still have natural testosterone levels that are high, but our growth hormone levels are going to be lower. This is why you see professional athletes, once they start getting into their late 30s and 40s, becomes much, much tougher on them to recover. The wear and tear really starts taking a toll. So look, at the end of the day, you know, it's all going to be dependent on so many different factors, just like testosterone. It's going to be your genetics, your lifestyle, your environment. If you grew up next to a coal plant, if you grew up, next to a polluted lake or polluted scream, of course, your growth hormone is going to be lower than someone who grew up on on an organic ranch eating nothing but fresh, you know, fresh meats and fresh fruits and vegetables nonstop. You know, obviously, uh, all things being equal. You got to remember when it comes to pituitary glands they are also responsible for producing our growth hormone and you have two sections of it the anterior and the posterior and you know if we're going to go by the signs the growth hormone is going to be secreted by the anterior part so the best way to maintain healthy natural gh levels in the body um you know sex being sexually active not being like you know asexual sitting in, in grandma's basement you know, i playing video games all day. That's that's probably smart. Eating healthy, sleeping well, working out, not over-training, but working out smartly. And, of course, fasting. Fasting does boost growth hormone as well. and That's something that we know uh, today. So, Mobster, you want to jump in a little bit on that before we move on to the medical uses?
1: Yes, Steve. So, the training stuff is interesting, right? I think the simple fact that most of our listeners are going to be hitting the gym is a great indication that their growth hormone levels are definitely going to be better than the man industry. However, guys, in terms of the science, and again, this is from the top of my head, and I don't think it's changed, the briefer, more brutal, more quote-unquote high-intensity the workout, the more likely you are to give a growth hormone boost. I also saw a reference, funny enough, just this week, Steve, in one of my uh, historical literally just arrived a few days ago uh, old magazines and there was a reference there to the release of growth hormone because we use steroids however guys that would be minimal so the longer workouts will give you a brief growth, growth hormone boost at the beginning but it will taper off at the end the shorter more high intense workouts will give you a bigger boost but of course you want it for longer periods of time so definitely guys working out hitting the gym training going out in the sunshine getting on your bike, getting your steps in every single day, your growth hormone levels will be better just right there for against your mum or dad or anybody around you that's not doing anything, that guy up the street that's lazy, all that kind of stuff. So you'll be ahead of the game. And then, of course, we're going to introduce it from, from outside as a PED and we're going to boost it again. And we're hopefully going to get all the pluses that we want and, and as few of the minuses as possible by proper use. Back to you, Steve, again.
0: Okay, so like w- the same thing with anabolic steroids. Uh, human growth hormone originally came out uh, to help people in, in medical, um, the medical, for medical reasons, right? So in in this in, in, in this example, human growth hormone helped children suffering from growth disorders, and also to help supplement adults who had growth hormone deficiencies. Also, muscle wasting. We saw. Um, with HIV patients in the 80s, when HIV, HIV came along, they started giving HIV patients um, growth hormone. I'm not sure if they started giving them right away right when, when, when HIV AIDS first came out. But I know that over time, especially in the 90s, definitely they were on it. And what happened, Mobster, and maybe you know some stories about this. I'll let you chime in on this. But what happened, I know on the old EF forum, we had some guys on there who would acquire the HIV, AIDS, growth hormone from these people. And they would basically sell it to uh, other you know, bodybuilders or they'd sell it to a middleman who would then sell it to bodybuilders. So that's how bodybuilders in the 90s. Why don't you touch on it because you, you know more about that.
1: Yeah. So I actually looked into this and I've mentioned it on a couple of uh, previous shows. I said I've got two buddies that have both got stomach conditions. One's got Crohn's, Crohn's, and one's got colitis, which are essentially the immune system attacking parts of the intestine. So their food absorption is really bad. They have days they, where when they told me the numbers, I just couldn't even I think I've had one day like that in my life. It is not uncommon when the issue flares up for them to be in the shitter 20 to 30 times a day you're literally feeling drained minimal food absorption and so on so what did i do we had a conversation i was getting into the whole performance enhancing drug research and how it works and whatever else and i said look there's something out there which and i went off and double checked on this of course the growth hormone being used to repair the uh, the gut lining to repair the guts that was being eaten away by the body so the problem in this country steve is cost. And the NHS, our National Health Service, doesn't want to pony up the kind of money that big pharma would charge the NHS to provide growth hormones. So they look at a million other ways to try and treat the condition. So I went on, as you just said, to a couple of forums, and I was literally looking for Crohn's and colitis repaired with growth hormone, yada, yada, yada. And it was two HIV slash aid forums. In the cases where The the victim of HIV or AIDS, as we'd like to call them at the time, had the disposable income. They were spending, on average, in those days, and we're talking about, I think, 10 years ago now, because I'm thinking about how long I've been here, $500 a month. And the quality of life in the case of the HIV and AIDS was increased. And the quality of life in the case of the side effect for us, the boost, in the Crohn's and colitis for my two buddies was also improved. So it came down to could you afford it or not? And I think you just said this is what happened with some drugs that was being treated or uh, prescribed for HIV and AIDS victims at that particular time to boost the immune system, to retain muscle tissue, and so on and so forth. And, and in a few cases, they were they were boosting their own residual income, if you want to call it that, Steve, by selling the stuff that they wasn't using. So as often as not, they would be overprescribed uh You know, and if they were, especially if they were paying for it privately, and there was sufficient sometimes at the end of the month that they could sell it onto buddies. And of course, the the science behind that, the four process behind that, in terms of the reason why they were being prescribed that in the first place, become of interest to bodybuilders. So if you haven't got any, a suppressed immune system, you haven't got a condition that's attacking a part of your body, and in this case, the intestine. If you're increasing your body's ability to retain muscle tissue—that's when we become, as we say here, Steve, all ears. And we, we are very interested in that because if we're otherwise healthy and we can retain more muscle tissue, and we can have a better gut, and we're going to absorb more nutrient good nutrition, then that's definitely of interest. The same thing would be the case for the nutrition that the guys were using, and so on and so forth. And and there are other things we of course know about the benefits for fat loss, uh, skin repair injury, and so on and so forth. So all of those things. And that kind of, I won't call it a pseudoscience, but it was science for something else that the bodybuilder didn't have. but He could see that there was a benefit if he was healthy by doing what they were doing. And that's how, as you say, some of them were selling on surplus products and there was a the way that he came in. There's other history, of course, in the background, way, way back in the day. And I, we, we joked with it earlier, on with regards to how it first came into people's hands and where it was originally sourced and the science behind the production of it and so on and so forth. But that's very much not the case now, guys. So we can touch on that in the history, Steve, but as you know, in the in the modern times, it's no longer required to be produced in that particular way. But obviously, again, the experiments they did back in the day just to get hold of growth form are absolutely crazy. And again, the sources that people needed to use, like the HIV and the AIDS victims, was how we used to get it, but that's not how we get it anymore. So yeah, back to you again. All
0: right, so let's get into, uh, you know, buying ACH. So when you buy ACH, it's going to usually come in a kit um in a lot of sources now also they have pens. But in this case when you're pharmacies, theirs is going to come in a kit. It's going to be in powder form. Um the stuff isn't isn't cheap. It's not cheap like using testosterone. So a month's worth of ACH is going to be uh 2, 3, sometimes 4 times more expensive than a month's worth of testosterone and that's normal. The stuff isn't isn't cheap for a reason. Um, so there's a lot of HCH kits out there. You want to make sure that when you get it, you're getting that Eurotropin um, from Europharmacies. And In that case, you know that you're getting the legit uh, Europharmacies HGH because HGH is is faked quite a bit and you want to make sure that you're always getting the correct stuff. So your pharmacies, they also have them in vials. You can buy the vial and I can, um, I can pull that up right now. Um, and we'll touch on this again toward, toward the end, but they also have the Eurotropin 40 IU vial and it's 13.3 milligrams. So they have the kit and you can buy them per vial as well. So they have two options for you in this particular situation. So you're covered with your pharmacies. Now you want to make sure that with HCH2, you're, you're patient with ACH because it can take a while. And again, we're going to get into that when we talk about cycling and stacking it. But I wanted to get the benefits of bodybuilding. And when it comes to the benefits, it's quite, you know, there, there's quite a bit of it. And we see pro athletes in all sports who use ACH. And the beauty part of ACH mobster, if you're a tested athlete, is that it's in and out of your system when it comes to being detected. So, Since it's a peptide and it's in and out of your system quick, you have to use it every day, right? If you want it in your system, obviously, you have to use it every day if you want to get the exogenous benefits. But also it's in and out of your system enough where if they call you up and they say, yeah, mobster, uh, you've got to show up on Thursday at uh, the lab, um, you know, one hour away from your house, you're getting uh, tested for PEDs. Okay, beautiful. So just don't inject ACH for the next couple of days. You go and you'll pass your test. It's that simple. So that's the nice thing about ACH. When you use anabolic steroids, if you got three days to go do your test, guess what? You're going to get busted. It's detectable. SARMs, guess what? You're going to get busted. They're detectable. In three days, they're detectable for sure. But when it comes to ACH, it's sending out your system. So unless you're getting tested that day, you literally won't see. We've actually had people test HGH on the form, get blood work done. And they've done it like three, four hours, five hours afterwards. And their HGH levels were normal. So basically you get that spike and then your, your numbers normalize quick. So you're not, they're not going to be able to detect it. If it's an, if it's after two, three days, there's no way they'll be able to detect it. So that's really, really good. Um, it's, it's, it's really, really good in that situation. So here are the benefits to, to bodybuilding. And, I, and I'll let you, um, do do the second half mobster, but faster recovery. And what that means is when you go work out or you're an athlete and you pound yourself in the game or you pound yourself in the gym or you pound yourself, you know, you're 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 a power lifter and you're doing heavy ass weight, you're gonna recover quicker from that. You're gonna be able to hit it again in a shorter amount of time, half the amount of time. Um cholesterol levels improve. It's it's good for your heart health. If you've got low HCH initially and you run the proper amount of HGH, it's good for your heart, not if you overdose. Increasing endurance and performance in the gym. This is why Lance Armstrong, he was using HGH because it helps with endurance. It helps with your performance overall. As I said, energy, your energy levels, especially if you go from having low HGH to having normal HGH or elevated HGH. One of the things you'll notice is your energy levels are better. Increased libido. Especially for those of you who have low tests, low HGH, let's say you go on, uh, to, you know, HRT, hormone replacement therapy, and the clinic puts you on both testosterone and HGH together, you'll notice a pretty quick change in your libido right away. And then your immune system, if you got shit HGH levels, your immune system is going to be in the gutter too. That means when you go to the gym and there's some people sick around you and they touch the bar, then you touch the bar, then you touch your face or they breathe on you or they cough or they sneeze near you. It's going to be easier for you to get sick because your immune system is not strong enough to, to kill that virus. Um, and that virus, you know, where you won't even notice it. Like I've got a strong immune system. People around me are sick, you know, whatever. But I don't even notice, even if, I could, if I'm carrying the virus, you know, like if I got COVID or something, when I got COVID one time, Really, I had like one night where I was like sniffing and sneezing and then I was fine. But then other people, I have relatives who got COVID and they died, you know, granted I'm, you know, I'm vaccinated and that helps my immune system as well. But if I had low HGH, I would struggle. This is why the elderly, when they get the flu or they get COVID or whatever, they have a less chance to survive and young people have a better chance to survive. That's one of the reasons. It's because HGH helps your metabolism. So mobster. What are
1: some of the other benefits of HGH? So, Steve, a couple of things. I'll touch on the benefits, but I also mentioned something about the testing, I recall. Uh, In terms of the benefits, and this is something that's outside the sport, but it is of benefit inside the sport, healthier looking skin, younger-looking skin. And we can think of a couple of very well-known, super well-known, in fact, but they not mentioned their names. Action movie stars, With hair that looks remarkably younger for the face, but also the face, when you know that they're in their 70s, Steve, it looks like they're in their 50s. And there's a great reason for that. Plus, of course, it helps them to continue to be action movie stars in their 70s. So there's that. Increased metabolism. And of course, this is where in combination with say steroids and other stacks that we might be talking about here today, the, the, the small, <clears throat> sorry, but small but significant speeding up on the metabolism is going to help with fat dispersal and fat burning, as we like to call it. Uh, increased fat loss in and of itself, Steve, and essentially, and this is a big one, growth hormone is a great uh, deep sleep booster. We, we've talked about when growth hormone is naturally reduced in the body, the periods of your life, but also even when you're as old as we are now, the pulsing of growth hormone is more, for example, at night time when the body's repairing itself. And a good boost, especially if we're on growth hormone, Steve, from outside, is that we will have more restful and, and greater sleep recovery. Let me touch back on the testing that you mentioned before, Steve. So we know that there's been increases in, in testing and the, that they've been looking to try and catch athletes using growth hormone. Something I remember from a few years ago, uh, and and one which still applies now. So the one from a few years ago, of course, is that uh, if you use in pharmacology a big pharma produced growth hormone, the Olympic IOC and and WADA wanted the big pharma companies to put markers into their products that could be detected in a test. Therefore, if you was using a product a, a pharmaceutical product, Steve, that was more likely to show up in a test because prior to that, it was impossible. To test for the stuff that you were using was the same as your body was producing ergo it was impossible to test for however and something that steve touched upon earlier on there is a reasonable level for you to produce so for example if your body was naturally producing the equivalent of one intravenous unit a day and they test you and you've got the equivalent of 10 intravenous units in your system then there's something wrong that's how they do their whole business with testosterone in and of itself see the ratios are all over the place there will be one or two individuals that's kind of freaky on, but most of us are in range. And so therefore, I will say when it comes to the testing, they're better than they've ever been before. If you're using pharma products, it's more likely to have actual markers in. And as always, when it comes to testing, you need to know what you're doing if you want to beat the test guy. So it's very much one of those red flags for you. We might talk about it today. We might talk about safe and proper use, but when it comes to testing, that's on you and your knowledge should be on point when it comes to the testing protocols using your sport and how they look for it. And as Steve said, for example, it might just be as simple as quick in and quick out of your system on the day of a test that make sure you know what you're doing or at least the person that's working with you, the prep coach or whatever, Russ knows what to do. Back to you on that one, Steve.
0: All right. So let's, let's move on. Um, and at the end of the day, look, There's a reason why, you know, bodybuilders are of a lot bigger today. And we touched on that earlier. There's a reason NFL players and NBA and all this, they're bigger and they're faster and they're stronger than ever. Um, If you put an NFL team of today versus an NFL team of the 1970s, I mean, it would be a bloodbath. I mean, it would be 200 to nothing. That would be the score. NBA team. NHL team, anything, any, any sport. And one of the reasons why is, you know, we've evolved when it comes to nutrition and training and all this other stuff, but also one of the, also it's cause of HGH and human growth hormone is very, very important to give you that edge over your opponent. And, um, at, at the end of the day, you know, in bodybuilding, uh, there's no way that these guys can get to where they are without running a crap ton of HGH. So, and if you're an average Joe, which obviously most of you are, out there, ACH, especially as you get older, can really, really make the difference. So, your pharmacy's ACH is a really, really good option for you to try. Try it for yourself, and then you can kind of see the the benefits in there um, of it. And if you notice when you're on ACH after like two, three months, you're like, "Wow, I'm seeing." A lot of benefits, then that in itself is the red flag that your ACH levels were, were low initially. This is what I tell my clients: if you go on a little bit of ACH and you notice, like, wow, I I see a big difference in my sleep, I see a big difference in my appetite, I see a big difference in my recovery, then that's that means that you had low ACH to begin with. So that before and after benefit is going to be much more much lower, large. But if you're 20 years old or 25 years old and you go on ACH at a low dose to, you know, let's low dose at, at a proper dose, I would say, a, a moderate dose, and you don't notice much of a difference, it's not necessarily because your HGH you're taking is fake, but it's because at that age, you've got already good growth hormone levels, So you're not going to notice those drastic changes, you see? So this is why younger guys. ACH is really a, it's not really beneficial for you. You're not going to see as much benefits as someone who's in their fifties or sixties or something, or an athlete that's in their thirties or forties. So that's food for thought um, right there. So we got to get into the side effects and, you know, human growth hormone. It's obviously not like anabolic steroids. Um, it's going to have different effects on your HPTA. it's not going to shut you down like anabolic steroids okay so when you use anabolic steroids your, your pituitary glands stop producing hormones and what happens is when you come off the anabolic steroids your hormones are in the tank or testosterone levels are in the tank so you've got to get your your total your testosterone levels back up um so your body has to come back your HPTA so you run a post cycle therapy that gives you a soft landing yada 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 with HGH, it doesn't work like that so ACH, one of the other benefits, which ties into the side effects, is that you can run ACH on cycle, post cycle, bridge, off cycle, whatever. You can run it by itself. You run it in a stack, and it's not going to shut you down unless you're running it with anabolic steroids. Does that make sense? So, you're that's a misconception that guys in the back of the '90s and 2000s because they were ignorant. They were ignorant because they didn't have access to blood work the way they would do today. So if you run HCH, your testosterone levels aren't going to tank when you run HCH. You see? Your hormones aren't going to tank when you run HCH. It has no bearing on that. So that's kind of the advantage again of using growth hormone versus using anabolic series. You don't have to worry about getting shut down. But what are the side effects though? Hypoglycemia. When you run HCH too high, you will you will, not may, you will open yourself up to hypoglycemia. The reason for that is your blood sugar. Your blood sugar will start becoming an issue. So what do guys do when they run a lot of HGH? They also run insulin with it. They run insulin with it to drop their blood sugar down. Now, hypoglycemia is low blood sugar, right? You start getting the shakes. You start feeling that. So HGH moves around your blood sugar a little bit especially if you overdose it so guys who overdose it, who are pros they'll take insulin with it and the insulin will help nutrition partitioning so it'll give them a the double benefit where it's going to drop their blood sugar down and then it's also going to boost the nutrition partitioning so they're able to basically grow more muscle combined with anabolic steroids obviously you don't want to run HDH and insulin without your anabolic steroids if you're a pro bodybuilder and you're running an, an enormous amount. We got guys, professionals running 10, 15, 20 IUs of HCH. They got to do what they got to do, right? Now, another issue too, achy feeling when waking, uh, pain in the joints. This is something that some people experience. Um, and it's kind of tied into carpal tunnel syndrome where you have painful wrists. Uh, carpal tunnel, if you're doing a lot of typing, if you're doing machinery, I know some guys who are in their 60s they used to do a lot of machinery work. They'll deal with a uh, carpal tunnel. And then um, water retention can be an issue initially, especially if you're overdosing it. And then sleepiness, um, having to take naps during the day, and it really puts you to sleep hard. So if you're someone, one of these people that just dozes off in the middle of the day at work, and you run HGH, that could be an issue. But again, with all these side effects, Monster, it's people who run too much of it. And let's say you're using a good quality, like your pharmacy's HGH, and you run four ius of this hch there's a good chance that some of these side effects will definitely rear their ugly head on you and it's because you're running too much if you're just going to run it um for its therapeutic benefits you don't need to run that much especially with the euro pharmacies because it's a legitimate hch you see what i'm saying but back in the day in the 2000s and the 90s people would get fake hch's from overseas on the black market so they'd have to run two three four times what they would have to use because their stuff was underdosed. So you see guys recommending four IUs, six IUs, eight IUs of HGH. And then now guys are getting your pharmacies HGH and running four, six, eight IUs. And they're like, oh my God, I'm getting carpal tunnel. I have clients coming to me and they're like, oh, I have carpal tunnel, Steve, what's going on? I said, because you ran too much of it. I told you to run two IUs and you're running four IUs, six IUs. Why? Like, oh, Steve, someone on a forum said to run four or six IUs. Why? Because those guys on the forum, they were buying underdose HGH. So you're giving yourself side effects. It's not the HGH's fault. You're giving yourself side effects. So it's all about managing and being smart, guys, when it comes to it. Touch on that, Mobster. And then touch on the uh, organ growth, the HGH growth gut thing, because I want you to talk about that as well. Yeah.
1: So the first one, guys, again, referring to what I made the comments on earlier on, when you go off and you look up the science for a buddy and you say, what's the benefit for them with growth hormone? Same thing when it comes to carpal tunnel and the side effects, right? So it is too easy. And it's another reason why we do this podcast, of course, Steve, to give the kind of advice where more is better and more is better, so therefore I'll double what was better, and so on and so forth. That is way too easy. And one of the suggestions I've actually made in this regard, and I'm talking about local suppliers as much as anything else, Steve, but I've actually made the comment in that regard. Do not take advice from the person that's selling you drugs. Okay, when it came to recreational drugs, they want you to buy more so they can make more money. When it comes to PEDs, that's sometimes the case. And there's a question of what's optimal and best for the average Joe. And then there's another thing here, Steve, which is certain freaks can get away with freaky things. We call them outliers for a reason, Steve. Some person you know might be absolutely amazing and feel like God on 10 IUs. But I've looked, and the average Joe will find if they get up around the 5 IUs a day, you're more likely than not to see carpal tunnel syndrome. What is carpal tunnel? There is a set of bands around your wrist, tendons, and connective tissue that wrap around the tendons, wrap around the muscles, wrap around literally the bands of tissue that run up and down like cables inside your hand and into your wrist. These run up into the forearm and they connect to muscles. There's very little muscle tissue, tiny amounts, even your hand there are pretty much a bunch of cables connective tissue and tendons that run into the wrist and it's banded around and inside that band is a bunch of holes or loops if you like of banded type tissue and the sheaf, these are sheaths, and the cables if you want to call it that run through these sheaths. What happens with growth hormone is both the cables themselves, the connective tissue thickens and the sheaf thickens and as Steve said you get a combination of this is the case with uh people using growth hormone but it's also the case of for example type is sitting there with their, their, their forearms half of the desk typing for eight hours a day and especially back in the day Stephen they was using the old mechanical type typewriters, or any kind of motion that's very very similar to that where they were constantly inflaming those joints it was constantly inflaming the tissue and therefore those things become inflamed and they ended up with pain literally as they used the cable the connected to the tendon run back as a forge that sheath was constantly in pain, and the only way to stop that was rest literally changing their job, Steve, or whatever else. Right, regarding the organ growth, now we're using an article to refer to when we talk about on this podcast that we've hopefully got the science and the side effects and the dosages, etc. up to the point. I'm going to debate both sides. So, we have seen. And especially a few years ago, Steve, thank thrice. the whole business with stomach vacuums and the classic physique has, has, has made even the open bodybuilders start to pull their stomachs in. But what was happening, Steve, and I'm thinking even with Ronnie Coleman and others, they were getting big, and I'm talking about mega big, 250, 260, close to 300 pounds on stage, and there were a bunch of photographs, which have always been available, Steve, the, the, the person relaxing between poses. It's always been there, but it became more prevalent. So what you started to see was video clips and photographs of people relaxing with poses, and and as we say here, Steve, and in America, letting it all hang out, and to the point where they look pregnant. And it actually got a name, bless him, Dave Palumbo. The name became Palumboism, which was where he was ripped to fuck, is all hell, freaky quads, freaky back, freaky calves, et cetera, et cetera, and a six-pack. But it looked like he was pregnant, and he had so much mass on his frame. It just looked—it literally, there was, sand, there was organ growth. Literally, the gut and intestines were pushing out. Now, the 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 the, the anti-argument is, and I will use Dave Palumbo again as this argument, Stephen. I said this on the forums a bunch of times. If Ronnie Coleman, if Dave Palumbo, and all the rest of those guys that had those big guts ten years ago were affected by a growth hormone, why don't they have? after they retired, the same big guts. They didn't have operations to reduce the size of their intestines. They didn't have organs shrunk by some sort of medical operation. The problem was a combination of factors. It was definitely used to grow hormone. Uh, There was definitely the sheer volume of food, the sheer amount of weights they were using. And again, Ronnie is a great example, Steve, and I'm a good example. If you put hundreds of pounds on my shoulder, my stomach pushes out against my belt, and my belt is only four inches wide, so my stomach goes above my belt. This is called a power belly. The problem is it's not what you want to see on stage, and thank Christ, we started to see way more vacuums and the classic physique and even the beach body type physiques, et cetera, rear, and become bigger in the sport, and this has encouraged even open-class bodybuilders to reduce the stupid amounts of food that they were eating steve of 700 grams of protein to reduce from and you and i've talked about this before the six seven eight nine ten meals a day and all this kind of stuff that was pushing on it but yeah there's definitely be an argument to be made i will touch upon on on the organ growth thing again and we've touched on this as a side effect as well in terms of cell growth right so when we're talking about organ growth guys we're talking about every organ and every muscle and the number one people thing that people forget when it comes to this kind of stuff is your heart is an organ and a muscle. Now it's not unusual for athletes doing absolutely crazy stuff, whether it's running a marathon or squatting a thousand pounds or whatever else, to stress the heart muscle. And the heart muscle responds by either getting thicker, bigger, thicker walls, or growing and pushing up against the rib cage and causing the meal and so on and so forth. Now at the same time, if you use high levels, non-sensible doses of growth hormone. You're pushing the chances as it's happening. And it, as I say, it's not an attractive look with the stomach sticking out, and it's not a healthy thing to push the organs in that particular way. And then hope, fingers crossed, Steve, that it all shrinks back down to kind of normal and isn't covered in scar tissue, isn't overly stressed. You haven't knocked 10 years off your life, and so on and so forth. It's another reason why we 100% want you to use stuff absolutely properly. But guys, trust me on this particular one. When it comes to the, the, the growth hormone gut, literally just Google GH gut or growth hormone gut. You're going to see a bunch of crazy pictures of people that are immensely vascular and super shredded and all the rest of it, and it just looks like there are six months or eight months gone, Stephen. During the third trimester, during the trimester, there's a baby coming, and it, it kind of looks like something like I have a Ninja Circle movie or whatever else. So, yeah, it is not an attractive look. The last one, when it comes to side effects, and this is a specific point of the article that we're going to attach to this podcast, is the potential for an increase in cancer. And cancer cells are cells the same as all the other cells in your body. They're just doing fucked up things instead of what they're meant to be doing, like, you know, eyes and lungs and skin and whatever else. The problem with growth hormone is it affects, again, all cells in the body. And we want the positive effects. We don't want any of the negative effects. But there's a good argument. And I'm going to actually say that there's a suggestion in the article, Steve, I'll read this particular line. Although there may not be a concrete evidence to show this, We are taking educated guesses as to whether or not there's an effect on the body. Uh, And it's one of those things, it's like you have an insurance policy, but you don't want the house to burn down. I don't want to risk the issue of cancer, and especially so if there's cancer prevalent in your genetic history, if it's through the family, and you are therefore rolling the dice by pushing the amounts. And again, like I said, we're going to talk about the benefits as we already have, but with low dosages effective dosages rather than high dosages. And if there's a chance with the lower dosages, we're going to minimise it rather than go out and talk about 10, 20, 30, 40 IUs a day and, and 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 much, much higher chance of finding out just how bad it is if there's a possibility of cancer. So, yeah, that would definitely be one that I'd want to avoid. We've talked about other particular drugs. I won't say that growth hormone is a dangerous drug in and of itself because there are far, far worse options out there, but it's one of the potential risks that you have steve and i don't want to sort of say yes don't worry about it guys it's no big deal etc when we're doing this podcast we have to always at the back of our mind is safe and proper use and safe and proper effective dosages. what do you think steve
0: yeah and you know i just really quick i want to touch on the the ach gut thing I, i think it's i think it's a it could be a combination of things mobster and it's just a culmination of you know uh, abuse you know among among pro bodybuilders but i also think like you're seeing like men walking around and public. you don't see it because you're in britain but in america you know go to walmart or go to somewhere like that you know that that has uh, a large male middle-aged uh male demographic We oh, we
1: see, see it here steve there's foot, football you know what for, I'm talking football
0: football
1: about match. yeah well, yeah guys the shirt Listen, is steve i don't walk around with my shirt off. Guys at football matches have had two beers too many with their yeah. tops off. No one wants to see the as yeah. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And,
0: they, and they're not taking HGH. In fact, they have no HGH in the body, so to blame HGH solely for it doesn't make any sense. I think it's a combination. It could be a combination of your organs are inflamed from the HGH, but also yeah. the, it, it's, it's mostly the vast amount of food. So when you're using HGH with insulin, if you're not eating a lot of food, and you're not eating a lot of carbs you're not eating a lot of proteins it's in in even like good fats although like you know uh, that that's a debate for another day but if you're not doing that you're really not able to take advantage of it because the whole point is the nutrition partitioning benefits of high hgh high insulin and lots of anabolic steroids so these guys it's almost like for them it's a job to eat and eat a lot and stuff themselves to the point where you know, I, I'm almost about to throw up, and that's what they do. And you're going to have a voracious appetite when you're running all this stuff. You're running tren, ach insulin, and then you're running uh, equipoise, lots of equipoise, lots of testosterone, and then you cut the testosterone off. And you run masteron, yada yada yada. But you're going to have a voracious appetite anyway. So Let it's just the vast amount to of me food. Talk like to one more yeah.
1: point, Steve, which is uh, uh, just two things, right? One was uh, I'm going to blame the judges. If you reward guys who photographs are online of them on stage at competitions with their stomachs hanging out, then that's partly down to the judges because the judges are supposed to be judging you all the time, not just when you're flexing most muscular or double biceps or whatever else. You are supposed to be standing here. This is protocol for any competing bodybuilder. Listen up, guys. Stay tight the whole goddamn time. Stomachs will stay tight you should say it's partly flexed in what they call a relaxed pose the whole time. You do not let it hang out. And if judges was mark- not marking people down for that, they should have done. The other one was the great Arnold Schwarzenegger who's still with us as we do this podcast. And he said he'd had enough. That's when the growth of the classic physique and, and those, those uh, competition are starting to grow more, Steve, because he was doing the Arnold Classic. He's not a judge, but he obviously has influence over the judging panel. And he said, We we want to see some more waste, we want to see flatter bellies, I want to see more vacuums. I I I don't he literally done a video of this. You can find this online, guys, and he said, Listen, enough is enough. We don't want to see these I don't want to see 300 pound monsters with their bellies hanging out. It's just ugly and it's not what bodybuilding is about. And it was enough of a comment that we listened and and the line was drawn at that particular point. So thank goodness we still got examples of it, Steve, but it has reduced. Uh, back to so, thank goodness, more sensible levels in terms of the stuff sticking out or whatever else. Let's talk about effective dosing, Steve, and stacking now. Yeah.
0: So very, very important to separate, you know, the normal Joe to from the pro bodybuilder. Pro bodybuilders are running up to twenty or more IU's a day. You know, eight to twenty IU's is standard. I'd say twelve to fifteen is pretty much you know, what they're using, especially if they're they're in the open competition, you know, heavyweight competitions. Right. And then for a normal Joe, look, you want to start somewhere. If you're, if you're you're an older guy, you're mobster's age, you're a boomer, you know, and you just want to do it for therapeutic benefits. One to 1.5 IUs a day is where I would start and then go from there. But you don't need to go very high because you're going to get big benefits. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, You've got such low growth hormone that just running one IU is going to, you're going to feel the difference. You see what I'm saying? So you don't need to run much for that benefit. Now, if you're a younger guy, maybe thirties and forties, and you're looking to get some, some better endurance and better performance, then you could go 1.5 to 2.5 IU's. Um, if you're running the Euro pharmacies, high quality HGH as you should, and that's why we're doing this show you're going to notice you don't need to run as much as some of these other HHs that's out there. And there's a reason for that. It's because it's high quality, like I said. So I would start there and then see how you feel. You should notice the other misconception is, oh, I got to run HH six months to see any benefits. No, you don't. You should notice within the first week or two, you will notice a boost in your appetite. Okay. Especially if you have trouble with your appetite, you should notice a boost in your appetite, which can get annoying, okay, um, in some situations. But that will balance out over time. You should notice you're sleeping harder at night. So you will actually need less sleep because at night you're sleeping harder. You're literally sleeping so hard that you'll have dreams, that you'll remember the next day because you usually don't sleep very heavy. You see what I'm saying? So those are some of the benefits you'll notice within the first couple of weeks. And then over time, if you're looking for the fat loss benefits, you got to give it like two, three months and you got to do, do a better job with your diet. If you're going to start seeing that. So over the few next few months, you'll start seeing the benefits culminate over time, but to say, yeah, you got to run at least six months or a year to see anything. That's just not true. Because I mean that that's that's basically you know when that started, monster that started back in the day where guys on forums they were they were working for for sources and they were trying to make a commission off selling HGH. So they tell people that people would run their HGH because they didn't have the capabilities of getting their own blood work done. Or at the gym, the guy would sell the other guy some HGH back in the '90s and be like, "Okay, take this. Keep in mind, you got to wait six months to see results. So keep buying." my underdose or fake hgh because it's going to take six months or a year to see benefits so that's where that comes from all right that i can promise you that's where that that bullshit comes from but you should notice within the first couple weeks a boost in your recovery a boost in your sleep and a boost in your appetite if you have poor appetite before especially but that's that's kind of the benefits that you'll notice soon And I ran HGH uh, for myself a couple months. I saw fat loss benefits, okay, when I ran it for a couple months. So if you're already eating right and you're already training right and everything, you should notice even fat loss benefits within a couple months. Now, is it going to be as good as six months down the road? No. So you want to keep, you want to obviously keep running it. Now, some some guys, there's a couple options on this. Some guys will run it, you know, for a few months. Some guys will run it for six months. Some guys will run a year. Some guys will run it, for the next years you know this be like part of their hrt um protocol so if you're planning on running it for the rest of your life there's no requirement it's not like running testosterone rest of your life you don't have to just stay on day in and day out you could take breaks from it it's not going to kill you all right so you got to remember the hgh idea with hgh you're giving yourself a pulse of hgh in your body So that ties into my next point before you bring you in mobster is when to take HDH. So when you on a normal schedule, you know, you get up and you go to work during the day, you work out at some point, either before work, after work, whatever you come home, you know, 10, 11 o'clock, you go to sleep. Next day you wake up six, seven o'clock, normal, normal lifestyle, 90% of you. Right. In that situation I'd recommend when you get up in the morning, first thing you do is you go to your refrigerator and you take the ACH and you draw the ACH and you inject the HGH before you eat. And the reason for that is because your HGH during the night is going up. Remember how I said earlier in the show, if you fast for five days with no food, your HGH goes up. In a linear fashion, it goes up. It's not up, down, up, down, up, down for five days. It literally just goes up. So the longer you fast, the more your HGH rises in your body. So before you break your fast, whether it be eating before you go to work or eating lunch or whatever, that's when you want to take the HGH before you break your your fast. So if you fast until 12 o'clock or you fast until 8 a.m. or you fast until 4 p.m., whatever, that's when you want to take your HGH because now that as soon as you eat food, eating food drops your HGH it it causes your insulin to go up and it causes your ACH to go down. So you're able to take the inject the ACH so you get the ACH into your body as your ACH is dropping naturally. So that is a good way to kind of take advantage of it where you maintain elevated ACH throughout the day. So that's a little trick to think about. And a lot of uh guys, you know, these social media gurus, they'll say, "Oh, you're wrong, Steve. It doesn't really matter. Just get ACH in your body." In their situation, they're one of those people that get up in the middle of the night, eat food. They wake up 5 o'clock in the morning, eat food, throw up a protein shake. Before bed, 10, 11 o'clock, I'm going to drink a protein shake. So for them, it doesn't matter because they're constantly eating, okay? You know what I'm saying? you are constantly eating. So HGH never goes up anyway. So you've got to be fasted for like six, seven hours for your HGH to even start rising in the first place. So if you're eating before bed. You get up in the middle of the night you eat a snack. You get up in the morning, you throw food at your body. In that case, it doesn't matter when you take the HGH because your HGH in your body naturally is never elevated in the first place. So I hope that makes sense, what, what I'm trying to explain. So just know who you're getting information from and know there's a particular situation. And that would that will go a long way. So if you want to take more advantage of it, you want to get the HGH exogenously when your HGH drops in the body. So that's the way I would I would kind of time the ACH and and make sure too, uh, very, very important, you always keep your ACH in the refrigerator, not the freezer and not on your counter at room temperature, like anabolic steroids. You want to keep them in your refrigerator uh because that will keep them last longer before mixing and after mixing. You want to keep them in your refrigerator. Go ahead, Mobster.
1: Yeah. So here's what I was thinking, Steve. And I'll touch on what you just finished off as well. So it comes down to how and why you're using it. For example, Steve, we talked about how the sleepers improved. So there might be an argument to be made. If that was an issue and this is what you were using growth hormone for, and there are of course many other options to help you with that, I would take it at night time. If it was for bodybuilding purposes and I wanted a lean muscular physique and I wanted growth hormone to help you with it, I would certainly take it, as Steve said, in the morning. If I was doing it for training purposes, if I was doing it because I wanted my skin to look better. There are different protocols, and they're not hugely different, but they might be just sufficiently different that you make sure that when you are using it, you use it in a particular way for that aim. As a great example, Stephen, it just occurred to me while you were talking, I would use Anivar for strength, and someone else might use Anavar as a way of becoming leaner. Now, in itself, it's not a fat-burning steroid, but it would aid in a protocol that's going to enable you to drop body fat and retain muscle but that might not be what i'm using it for the same thing applies to growth hormone when steve talks about uh, preparation and specifically the storage remember as always it is a peptide there's an argument to be made but it specifically applies to once it's been mixed and ready for use it becomes more fragile it's also fragile even in the powder form if it's exposed to incredible cold incredible heat so for example we've had guys that live in the wrong place in the world it's left in their mailbox on a day when it's 80 degrees and their mailbox is is painted black steve it's going to be crazy hot inside that mailbox and they might have issues there with just reducing the effectiveness of their product uh, it's always mixed with acidic water and again guys please come on the forum for mixing suggestions and specifically and this has been an issue for a couple of people trying to get the amount of water to the amount of growth hormone, and they can't quite work their maths because they didn't pay attention at school, Steve, and we can help you. There are even, I believe, calculators online to assist you with that. But please come on the forum and we will direct you in the right particular place. So with all of those kind of things, Steve, yeah, as I say, an incredibly successful drug in the performance-enhancing arena, used, as Steve says, by very, very high-end athletes, Uh, And we're talking about the biggest sports you can possibly think of is extended their time in the game and their ability to recover from injuries and stay on the pitch and stay on the field. And as I said, earlier, on, stay in movies, Steve. Uh, And so it's been unbelievably successful in that regards male and female movie stars, models and so on and so forth. Politicians, Steve, wishing to stay looking younger, more effective, more powerful in that particular regards. And I'm actually thinking of a very big Russian name in that particular way, as well as obviously we talk about testosterone. And, of course, when we're talking about these protocols, the combination, very rarely used singularly, like Steve said, with insulin. We're talking about testosterone, of course, and all these other things. Remember the combination, as Steve says, sometimes the synergy of those particular products and hormones and and other bits and pieces that we use to get better for stage, to get better for the beach. It's everything in combination, Steve. So, again, come on the forums don't just ask about growth hormone if you're using something else let us know what else you're doing but especially we're looking as always steve feedback we want to know how you've used it how it's worked for you was it effective and yeah again feedback as always is super super important hopefully you you you, you got some information from us guys if there's anything you missed you let us know in the comment section again please note we are not doctors and the opinions are ours is our view and based on our experience and views on the topic, our podcast of informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the first amendment.